Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. Today's episode, I have writer and director Jason Park. Jason's new film, BJ's Mobile Gift Shop, is currently playing as part of the Sundance Shorts program. Uh, It was a really great time being able to sit down and chat with Jason, uh, not just about filmmaking, but about his first Sundance experience. Uh, As many of you listeners know, I've been covering Sundance for years. This is my ninth festival, and... You know, it was, it's been a very unique experience, of course, because of COVID. Uh, it, it's all been digital this year. Nobody's been up at Park City. And it's been just really weird to kind of, you know, have to be able to communicate and contact different filmmakers. And everybody's just at home. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a really weird approach uh, to coming into things this year. Of course, uh, Radio From Hell, who I usually am working with up there producing their shows, uh, didn't do anything this year because they're always on site. And since everything was digital, um, there was, there was kind of no point to go about that. And trying to, trying to wrangle the interviews the way that we usually do up there um, just wasn't going to happen for Radio From Hell. Uh, so maybe next year, hopefully things will you know, continue to get under control now that we have the vaccine out. Um, cases seem to be coming down. So hopefully next year we will all be back in Park City being able to enjoy the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, but it was really a great time talking with Jason. BJ's Mobile Gift Shop uh, was the first film I actually watched this year. It kicked off shorts program number one. Uh, so everybody that kind of dove into things right away and dove into the shorts program uh, we're all introduced to Jason's film, BJ's Mobile Gift Shop, and it is just such a unique, fun film uh, that I, I just loved immediately. And the fact that, you know, I've watched, as I kind of told Jason during this, you know, I've watched well over 30 films at this point. Uh, today is the final day of Sundance. It was also a, a condensed festival this year since everything was online. Um, but after seeing all these films, BJ's Mobile Gift Shop was still one that just kind of stood out to me. Uh, because it was just such a fun film. I, I just really enjoyed the short film. Um, but yeah, it was really great finding out you know, a little bit about Jason's background, uh, growing up in the Midwest, out in Chicago, uh, where he actually shot this. He went, he went back to, uh, to be able to film something that related to his experience uh, growing up there. And yeah, it's just, it's really a great film. I look forward to everybody being able to see it um, as soon as it's, you know, available to the public and they kind of know what's going on with it. I'll make sure that we share that uh, as well. But we do talk about the story uh, behind it, um, as well as the actors and, you know, kind of how this film came together. Uh, Jason has a similar story to mine, you know, kind of trying to figure out, uh, coming from a very conservative background um, and trying to decide, uh, you know, if that's what we wanted in our life or if we wanted to go on to something, to something different and, you know, find our way to Los Angeles. And, you know, it was just a lot of fun talking to him and learning kind of what inspires him and really hearing his passion with filmmaking. This interview was only kind of pitched to be about a 15-minute episode um, because trying to wrangle filmmakers during Sundance, uh, you know, they're getting pulled every which direction, so I always try and keep these short. Um, and so when I had pitched this to Jason, I had said it was only going to be 15 minutes. I think it ended up a little over a half an hour because we just got to talking, and, you know, I, I don't want to interrupt somebody, you know, when they're passionate about you know, what they, what, what we're talking about when it comes to making films. And this was just such a great conversation. Rarely do, rarely do I leave, you know, an episode of somebody that I've never met. We're just kind of coming into this off of a festival and, you know, it just have kind of, kind of a good bonding moment, uh, over our love of film. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode, um, and make sure you follow Jason on all the social media uh, links that we'll have available on the website at onthemikepodcast.com. Um, Sundance, like I said, it's, it's been a very weird experience, uh, but a wonderful experience at the same time. The, uh, the Sundance Institute has just really done a brilliant job. Uh, their app that you know, they've had on all, of the, uh, all the smart TVs and on Apple TV that I use, it's been it's been flawless <laughs> it's been such a great experience to just be able to load the films in that i that i was planning to watch and just hit play whenever they started and to have the they gave us kind of a three-hour window so if you didn't you couldn't start it right on the dot uh you had three hours to be able to start it and then you still had a chance uh, to even watch it uh, during a second screening so it's, it's made it really nice to be able to watch a lot more than i usually get around to uh, you know, usually we have slam dance kind of overlapping with Sundance, and I kind of get pulled both ways. And we have you know about fifty fifty uh, with Radio from Hell of who you know 
filmmakers from both festivals. So to only have Sundance right now has been really nice because I was able to just focus on that, um, just be able to watch films at Sundance. Um, and yeah, it's been nice. Uh, of course, Slamdance picks up this following week. Um, and so we'll have some coverage there as well. Um, but yeah, this, this has been a really great festival. So many great films. If you've been following me um, on Instagram, I've been kind of keeping tabs on the films that I've been watching, those that I've been enjoying. And yeah, I'll, I'll, even, I'll save that as a story if you want to go back and see what films, uh, what films I've loved. Uh, apparently, I really missed out on, on the film that, uh, that's kind of taken over Sundance, had the highest, the highest sell at Sundance with Coda. Uh, it was one of the only premieres I didn't get a chance to see. Uh, so hopefully, you know, we'll get a peek at, at that and what made that the the highest selling film in Sundance history. Uh, even over uh, Palm Springs uh, last year from uh, Andy Samberg and the guys at Lonely Island. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what this what this film uh, is all about. Uh, of course, Judas and the Black Messiah uh, was one of the really big talked about films uh, premiering at Sundance. And wow, that film was incredible. Another one of those stories that, uh, you know, part of history that's just kind of been glossed over uh, that somehow, you know, we I'd, I'd never heard that story uh, before, but it's it's such an incredible film. Shaka King, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, and, uh, and Lakeith Stanfield. I fully expect, I don't know if they're going to be in for this, uh, this Oscar run uh, for 2021. Uh, I assume they definitely will be for 2022. Um, but I, I, I would expect we are going to see some big things um, from this film because, yeah, it was, it was an absolutely uh, incredible film. Uh, also, the, uh, the Sparks Brothers. Uh, it was a documentary that Edgar Wright did about the band Sparks, a band I have never even heard of. And I consider myself very well versed in, in music. I mean, I have, you know, thousands upon thousands of songs and albums in my in my iTunes and in my uh, in my Apple Music just from years you know having worked in the music industry having worked in radio I I've accumulated a lot of music um from you know just decades of 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 bands and musicians and somehow I had never heard of Sparks and the documentary is so much fun and Edgar Wright did such a brilliant job making this documentary and I, I am a fan for life. Sparks is is incredible. I immediately, I mean, they have 25 studio albums. So, I mean, it'll take you a little while to get through them. But I, I immediately went and downloaded uh, two of their albums, as well as the one that they did with Franz Ferdinand. I'm a big fan of uh, Franz Ferdinand, and somehow I still had never heard of Sparks. Um, but I'm thrilled that I did. Uh, so thank you to Edgar Wright for making that. Uh, also, the movie Street Gang, uh, how we got to Sesame Street. Uh, just such a lovely, wonderful film. Uh, just a great documentary of how Sesame Street came to be. Um, of course, I'm a huge fan of the Muppets. Anything Muppets, Jim Henson, you know, I'm always on board. And yeah, Street Gang, Street Gang was one that just made me smile the entire time. Uh, no matter how many times I have to relive Jim Henson passing uh, through documentaries and stuff, it always stings the same. And I was only five almost six years old when it happened but i still i was so obsessed with the muppets at that age that i still remember where i was uh when my parents told me that jim Han jim henson had passed away um and if you don't believe me I, I was in taylorsville utah i was picking up my friend sam for soccer practice and we were sitting in my dad's tan jetta that he had uh i i remember every single bit of it it's so crazy that Somebody uh, that, of course, I never had met. I was, again, five, almost six years old when he passed, but it had such an impact on me. Uh, and so, you know, kind of reliving that moment in the, uh, in the Sesame Street documentary still just, it, it gets to me. Uh, but it, was, it was such a, such a beautiful, wonderful film. Um, yeah, I, I really hope everybody gets a chance to see that. But again, go to my Instagram. You'll, have, you'll be able to see all of my coverage uh, that I was able to post on there. Um, with just all the films that I was enjoying, some of the uh, panels and cinema cafes I was able to attend. Uh, but yeah, it was really a great time. Uh, thank you to the Sundance Film Festival and the Sundance Institute for allowing me to be part of it. Um, once again, like I said, this is my ninth festival, and it, you know it, it's just wonderful every year. I was nervous about how things were going to go uh, this year with everything being digital, but it, again, it's been such a great experience. Talking to Jason, you know, he's had a wonderful experience. I was nervous for these filmmakers. Uh, because, you know, it's it's a time when you're able to kind of network and get to know other people in the industry. And 
I was very nervous about how that was going to go for a lot of these filmmakers, especially in the short film program, uh, because it's kind of that time to, you know, crack out of your shell and be able to kind of go on to bigger things as well. And so to not be able to, you know, be right in front of so many people, be at the parties, uh, you know, it, it was, it was kind of nerve wracking, but Jason told me that they've all been taken care of very well. Um, so it makes me happy that, you know, the Sundance Institute has still managed to, make this experience, you know, a great thing for all of the filmmakers. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been a really great festival. It's, it's kind of sad to see it, to see it end since it's shorter this year. Um, but also, you know, my eyes need a break <laughs> after, after I've been just sitting in front of, you know, the TV, uh, for basically a week, uh, watching films basically from, from 9am until, you know, 9pm. It was about 12 hours of films all day, every day. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I love it. I love watching films, but yeah, it could, that that much can kind of wear on you. Uh, I can definitely say I really, really miss theaters uh, right now. I know Jason, Jason kind of mentions that as well. That you know, we just really wish we could all be sitting in a movie theater. I, I bought popcorn uh, to have during this, and it just it wasn't the same. But it definitely made me yearn to be back in a movie theater uh, as soon as it is safe to possibly do so. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a wonderful experience. Again, thank you to Jason Park for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, again, such a great person to get to know, um, and, and I've just loved his work. He sent me a few of his other films that were, were just incredible as well. So he is a, a quickly rising uh, young filmmaker, and I'm very excited to see um, what comes next for him. Uh, I, I expect that we're going to see a lot more of Jason Park. And yeah, it's... A, like I said, BJ's Mobile Gift Shop was a very unique, fun film, and I really cannot wait for people uh, to have a chance to be able to see that. Uh, thank you again to Jason Park for taking the time to come on the podcast. And like I said, we talked for a lot longer than I had initially uh, told him we would, but it was a really a great time. Uh, so thank you to him. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next week. Tim, can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Okay, great. The AirPods are always a hit or miss sometimes on the first try. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's been funny getting all of this figured out, having to do podcasting over Zoom now. Yeah. And not like everybody's audio is different. I know some people do the whole both parties have to record and use QuickTime and all that. And I'm just like, nah, we'll do it as easy as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's always it's you know everyone's got their own thing now so it's yeah yeah uh first off uh, congratulations on on getting into sundance this year so i mean it's Thank a you. it's a very weird kind of of sundance uh, mm. to be all virtual <laughs> <laughs> yeah is this yeah, your, it, is this your first sundance experience yeah it is my first sundance film festival uh both uh, with the film and going to the festival so it's been a bit surreal and obviously it's a unique circumstance and year. Uh, but honestly, um, they've done such a great job of, you know, transitioning into a fully virtual festival. And um, I've been saying this all the time, like, I don't know if they're necessarily uh, re, you know, trying to uh, replicate the festival experience, but they're recreating it in a new format, in a new way, you know, and I think it's, uh, it's. I mean, on my end at least, and as a filmmaker, I felt very taken care of, and um, I just think they've done an incredible job. Oh, that, that's great to hear. I mean, yeah. coming, coming from, I mean, this is my ninth festival, and mm. this might be my favorite one in a weird way, <laughs> hmm. because I feel like I've been able to watch more, uh, because... right you have the time limits and everything to be able to get everything pulled up. Right. Uh, plus it's not overlapped with slam dance. Usually both are running at the same time mm. yeah. and I've got both festivals pulling me at, at every end. And so it's been very nice to be able to sit back and be like, Oh, I can actually watch things this year yeah, and not have to be running around in the snow and <laughs> trying to get it all. all figured yeah. Out. No, I also, I agree. I feel like, you know, you have a lot more, uh, flexibility with watching you know what films you want to watch and I, I think that's kind of the focus on a virtual film festival right like that's the that is the thing you can do yeah. in a virtual film festival is watch the films 
Um, but I think what's also been really cool is, um, you know, so many people have access to the films this year, mm-hmm. um, especially as a shorts filmmaker. Uh, and, you know, it's, I think film festivals always can get, um, you know, shorts can get a little overlooked, especially when you have so Absolutely. many features and that's the headline of the festival. Um, but with the fact that, you know, so many people across the country can see these programs and you see these shorts and people who are not, in film or watch movies that often who are friends or family that are just trying to support. And then they have the ability to see these other incredible short films that they would have never been uh, aware of. It's, it's, it's really cool and it's a lot of fun and it's made it, um, you know, really unique in that form. Um, and I, 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 for me personally, I just really appreciated that. Yeah. I think especially for the short filmmakers, you usually, mm-hmm. I'm producing one of the uh, big radio shows that's up there. And mm-hmm. I started a couple of years ago throwing a lot more of the short filmmakers uh, mm-hmm. at them because I felt that, yeah, the short films do kind of get overlooked a lot of the time. And it's like, mm-hmm. none of the people making the features would be making the features if they hadn't started <laughs> making the short films so right. many years ago. And there have been just so many great short films that come through that it's always made me sad when they get overlooked. And so I kind of try to make my focus now uh, talking to the short filmmakers Mm. because for one, most of like the big wigs, they already have their LA times, Hollywood reporter interviews set up and that's all they even care about. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to talk to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And the short filmmakers, I feel like are the ones that are really hustling and trying to make, Mm. trying to make an independent film festival, you know, what worth their money and time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. So it's been, uh, we appreciate you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so have you have you had a lot of people uh, reaching out this year uh, to be able to set up things? I know usually since everybody's on site, you've got publicists dragging you every which way. Uh, yeah. And this year it's been, it was weird for me to even set up interviews because it was different than how I've ever invited people on a show. Mm-hmm. And so I know coming from my point of view, I was like, oh, I don't know how to, how to reach out to everybody this year it was so different in that aspect um yeah i think it's you know we've definitely been um you know contacted with and reached out to um you know it's it's been i mean i wouldn't really know because i this is my first sundance exactly how the process goes and obviously it's going to be different if you have a feature there versus if you have a short film and you know who wants to talk to you and how that's being done and so uh, but yeah, no, I think, you know, people like yourself and other um, reporters or bloggers, writers, journalists, and, you know, other individuals from the industry have reached out. And so it's been, um, I think the, I think because of the virtual format, um, it, it's, I feel like filmmakers are a bit easier to reach out to and vice versa, mm-hmm. um, like the communication uh method is a bit more seamless if that makes sense so um so it's i mean on my end i i have nothing else to go off of besides that so and i i'm okay with it and i feel like it's been (laughs) it's been uh it's been it's been pretty smooth so far yeah that's 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 excellent to hear now before we jump into bj's mobile gift shop uh first off Mm -hmm. i absolutely loved the short film so that's why i was like all right jason somebody i want to talk to because it was (laughs) such a fun film but before we jump into that, I kind of want to know a little bit of your background, because I know you've made a few other short films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had you send me over a few links. I had a chance to watch uh, watch a few of those that I really enjoyed as well. Uh, but tell me kind of where you grew up and how you got into filmmaking. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm born and raised from Chicago and the Chicago suburbs. Um, you know, my I'm a second generation Korean American. Uh, so you know, my introduction to film and movies started pretty early because my mother loved going to the theaters, loved going to movie theaters. Um, and she particularly loved action films. You know, I grew up on early 90s, late 80s action films like, you know, Speed, which is like one of my all time favorites, um, you know. And so that's kind of my introduction to film. Um, at the same time, you know, we were a pretty religious household. so. Um, and it's so it was a little bit of a uh, of as iron irony in it because you know my beliefs growing up were a little bit uh, in 
in, it was in conflict with you know one of the my deeper loves because of the my religious background mm-hmm. and so um you know i grew up you know kind of being in both worlds and ultimately when i was you know as a minority it's always one of those weird not necessarily weird but it's a common situation where you just don't really consider a pursuit or a career in arts or filmmaking or anything creative and honestly anything outside of like your typical four or five professions at least for as a Korean American um you know like being a doctor dentist lawyer things like that um and so you know filmmaking was just not even a real what like that's not even a real thing right like we don't know that (laughs) I I just watch the movies and I'm like cool you know I love that but I don't know about the filmmaker I don't know about and everything that happens behind it. So um, going into college, I decided to study um, theology, uh, secondary education, and history. Um, you know, uh, you know, thinking that I was going to be a preacher and you know go back into teaching s- students in high school or middle school. Um, and then during my college years, I was spent a year out in uh, as a missionary in Palau. It's an island in the South Pacific, and that year was pretty. Um, it was pretty significant in the sense that I think I learned a lot about myself. And when you're on an island for a year, you have a lot of time and a lot of internal conversations. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and I have nothing but love for Palau. It's it's truly one of my uh, it's such a special place in my heart. And I'll shout out to all the Palauans out there who have been such important people to me. But I think that year is where I started to realize, you know what, like, if I really love cinema and like, not only just as an admirer, but as someone who wants to tell stories or wants to explore themes or questions or ideas um, through this medium, like I have to try uh, and pursue and go for it. And so after I graduated college, came back and then moved to LA um, as everyone has to or does because <laughs> there's no other way yeah. um of course um and then instead of going through film school or anything like that or having any formal training or education i kind of just forced myself to watch a lot of films and write a lot a lot of messy and you know unfortunate scripts but i think that's part of the education um and the process and um you know, started to write a lot. And, you know, luckily I got into uh, a fellowship at Film Independent called Project Evolve. Um, And that, I always say that was my film school because I was really thrown in to an environment that I had no idea what it was, you know, and not even just talking about the creative development process or like meeting other filmmakers who've gone to AFI and USC and UCLA and NYU. um, And I'm just some guy from Chicago (laughs) that's like literally my that was literally my like my resume or my you know my bio is like hi I'm from Chicago um and you know and I'd never been on set before and I got to I sent you a short uh it was called Teachers uh that was my first short film that I got to write with a, a great director named Mark Columbus um and through that experience you know I just kept figuring it out like writing more short films because that's the thing that I wanted to, that I could make and do, and that was feasible. Uh, and, you know, I always wanted to direct. I always kind of used writing as a, as a bit of a Trojan horse into directing um, and just kept doing more short films. I started working commercial production um, just out of the blue. It wasn't a plan by any means, but that was really instrumental because I got a full, uh, a real, a real education of how a set is run, how the different department heads work, how everything kind of flows in a very fast and efficient manner. Um, obviously, they have a bit more money behind it, so problem solving is a bit easier. It's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, just for me, because I didn't have that, um, it was really important to see it and get and to work in it. And it also was a blessing because I got to learn by getting paid still. And so, as a filmmaker who's trying to make anything, if you can have that opportunity you are truly lucky and so um you know um doing that and just trying to find time to write and make films at the same time was i guess the the story of the last couple of years um so yeah yeah i mean that that really is the best way to learn 
how to do it. I mean, even when I was in film school, I mean, so much of my film school experience was just recreating other people's scenes. And I mean, there's a value to that to understand mm -hmm. how they might've done that right. for some major film. But I was like, I just, I don't want to just be copying somebody. Right. And then when I ran out of money halfway through film school and couldn't finish, mm. I had said to one of my friends, I was like, we just got to figure this shit out and we have to, we just have to start making stuff. And so it's like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of approach it the same way as I was writing, but then I was like, I can, I'm just going to direct these two. Yeah. And the only set experience I had at that point was being on set here and there as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, I wasn't, I wasn't even getting the production side of it. And I just kind of had to figure that out. And I mean, mm -hmm. I, I always envy everybody that kind of had your approach where it was, you know, you got paid to learn how to do it instead of paying yeah. a lot to learn, to not learn how to do it in a way. Yeah, no, I think, first of all, I, I hearing you swear makes me comforting, comforts me. So I, I'm assuming it's okay on just language standpoint. Oh yeah, say, say okay. whatever. Great, great. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, um, no, you know, I think film school, look, film school I'm sure works for a lot of people and it helps, it's helped a lot of filmmakers. And I totally, this is not me dissing on it. I think, and I think it's definitely by the individual. I just never, I think for me, I just ne I could never understand the idea of, you know, spending a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars mm -hmm. when you can use that money. Obviously, it's a different format with loans and you know, with all that, you know, right. I don't know, however you way you figure it out. But you know, I always thought that you should use that money to 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 find your own voice, find your own you know, fucking vision for what it is that you want to do. And I think it's hard because there isn't necessarily a structure, right? There's no syllabus. Mm -hmm. There's no, There's zero sometimes blueprint. I think, <laughs> yeah. And I think sometimes people do want that. And I think that's okay. And I think that's, if you're comfortable with that structure, that's fine. Um, but I think, and again, I say this from a very privileged standpoint because I got very lucky, you know, I, I'm not, um, not ignorant of that. Um, but it was just one of those things that I, ha I had a lot of, you know, conversations about uh, in terms of like, I couldn't just grasp that idea of like, you know, I think filmmaking is such a lonely process, regardless mm -hmm. of if you're in the beginning stages of your career, or if you're a quote unquote master, right, no matter where you are, it is an incredibly lonely process. And so I think the earlier you can start in diving into that journey, in terms of just swimming and finding exactly where I'm supposed to go, I think will always be a bit more of a fruitful experience. And I, and, you know, and, and, and Tim, this is me speaking from someone who didn't go through film school. So I don't know. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you would have a, a bit more, uh, can speak to it. And I don't know if I'm saying anything that's even remotely true, uh, but. No, I, I, th I, I think everything that you're saying is 100% true. I mean, the greatest thing I think that film school brings you is the networking. Yes. So, but right. that also depends on where you go to school. <laughs> right. Because I mean, of the networking I did in my film school, it's like, yeah, I've got some friends, but none of them are out here in LA. None of them work really in this side of film or anything. Yeah. I have one friend who is an actor out here. And yeah. he he's the only one where we're kind of at the level of like, yeah, we're working and things like that. And so it's like mm -hmm. you build those networks, but if they're not in the right, like, I assume kids at like USC and AFI and UCLA and like they're they're all right within the hub of it all happening. Mm -hmm. So it's like when one of them does get something, they can parlay it into, oh, I know this director of photography. I know this person here in this department. And it's easier to kind of use that networking. So it just depends on where I think you go to school. At. And that probably you can say with any business, somebody in, you know, a finance school in New York is going to have a lot easier time becoming a hedge fund manager or something on wall right. street than somebody right. in iowa but right. <laughs> but yeah you know it, it i i really like i said i envied the people that had the foresight to be like well yeah instead of spending all that money it'd be better used going into mm -hmm. learning how to do it and i wish i would have thought of that because <laughs> i i was i was three years into yeah. business school before i was like no i think i want to i think i just want to focus on film and entertainment 
I think, and that's where I think it, I have, you know, my issues kind of start with is this kind of, not saying everyone is like this, but I do feel like there are a lot of uh, borderline predatorial um, businesses and places that kind of monetize on people's dreams and people's, oh, absolutely. you know, and, and I think that's true for a lot of industries and a lot of different places, but specifically with film and TV um, and entertainment, because it's such a, it's such a, you know, it's, it, it, it makes the, it makes that dream a little bit more plausible when you offer the, you know, that individual something um, that can get them a little bit closer. And I think people, you know, have an immediate reaction to something like that. And I wish, you know, I don't know how to make it more helpful or easier or to bring awareness to it, but I just feel like, you know, and I, and you know what, and I don't even think you have to be in LA or New York, you know, I think it, it really is just slowing down in what you think at that age or at that time is the right way to go about filmmaking and just start making films. And I know that's a really annoying answer. But for it's aspiring. the right answer. <laughs> Yeah. And because everyone says that. And I think when you're in that stage, you're just like, well, duh, I know that, you know, I know I'm supposed to make fucking films, but it's really the only thing that can get you to to where you eventually want to be and even that place where you want to be isn't a guarantee you know right. making it is a fallacy it, it is there is no such thing as a as a as like a as as a floor anyone can hit at any point at any time in their career so ultimately like the only thing you can do is just risk in a form in a way that you can risk something and mm -hmm. just do it and you know i think you have to you know, besides the, the monetary risks and the financial risks and the resources and time, I think a lot of times the biggest thing that filmmakers are scared of, and this is true for me, is making something bad. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I still have that fear and it's, you know, and I still don't know how I feel about all my films still. Um, but you kind of have to just go for it and just be okay with the fact that there's a good chance that this might not turn out. Right. And you have to be okay with it. Um, just because I think that's the biggest hurdle initially is to not fear a result that is not immediate yet, you know? So I don't yeah. know. I, I, I'm very, um, I get a little passionate when it comes to this conversation about, you know, because I mean, I, it, it's, it's just, a, it's, you know, it's like, it's, there's just so many voices and noises. There's so much noise to this whole conversation about how do you get your start or how do you film school you know internship whatever and it's just like yeah it's it's a tough it's a tough one yeah it's yeah because there's no i mean what you said is is perfect and i mean some people will say you know it's it can be kind of a cliche answer but i mean i i remember sitting at a comic-con and when i started having some of the satire writing stuff i was doing published fairly regularly i had somebody mm -hmm. that was moderating the panel ask me you know well, how do you start getting things published how do you start anything that you're writing getting seen and i gave a fairly similar answer i was like you just have to keep writing yeah like you're gonna write a million things that suck and then even something that gets published will probably still suck and you just have to yeah. keep going and yeah. you could have heard everybody's eyes simultaneously detach as they all rolled in the room <laughs> i was just like i was like it's the truth though i mean i yeah the amount of rejections i've had yeah it does it and I'm sure you can say the same thing with short films and stuff you can submit to so many festivals and maybe one or two will be like, sure. And when it comes to something as big as Sundance, I mean, the thousands that they get and a yeah. lot of really good ones that they still have to be like, yeah, it's all right. It just doesn't meet our programming. Right. And it's like, yeah, people, people aren't, people want the immediate gratification instead right. of like, I think you put it perfectly. It's like just slowing down and just saying, you know, you just got to put one foot in front of the other. Right. And when it happens, it happens. And right. then you still have to keep coming. I, I think it was the Duplass brothers in their book where mm -hmm. they had a, they have a chapter that's uh, called the Cal, the cavalry is never going to come. Yeah. He had a great speech about it too. And I think at um, Mark Duplass, he said he had a, he had a speech about that, about oh, at a right. film of independent form. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but oh, yeah, no, no, no. it was, 
no um yeah it's, it's a great speech it's a great chapter it's a great lesson honestly yeah. it's um but yeah no i think it's it's funny when you, you you bring that up just because like with bj's um you know i kind of had to force myself to to cut out any sort of expectations or desires for the film outside of making the film and I guess, and then in BJ's itself, it's kind of, it came from a place where I was just kind of self-reflecting a bit about why it, why I wanted to pursue filmmaking or why, why I wanted to do this. Um, because I think, you know, a lot of times, like you said, people want that immediate result. People want the successes, but the craft is the most important element of this and it's it, it sounds really stupid to say that out loud but it is the truth and that I think so much of so much of you know our industry can, can be distractions mm -hmm. and can prevent you from doing the work and you know I had to really self-assess you know is my love and is my desire to do this truly for the work because if it's not then I have to really, I have to reevaluate everything in terms of, you know, if my, if my goals, if my benchmarks is to, you know, do something like this or go to some sort of award show or go to some sort of festival, you know, those are all great, but that doesn't mean anything ultimately. Right. Right. The goal is to just be, be in a place where you can work and create and make something that speaks to you and hopefully speaks to someone else. But, so yeah, no, I think um, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, it it, it's, it takes time too. You know, it's it's a process. It's yeah. not something you're gonna <laughs> immediately just re oh yeah, I should just think like that. You know, it it takes some maturation and experiences to get to that place as well. So yeah, it, it definitely does. So now I th I think now I mean that was that was kind of a good way to segue into BJ's. Uh, so tell me kind of how BJ's mobile gift shop came about because it's such a unique story of this guy who just kind of walks around with a piece of luggage yeah uh, and has a mobile <laughs> gift shop with everybody's needs kind of just inside it and is making his living just selling <laughs> selling random yeah. things to passerbys yeah um honestly tim i'm still figuring out this answer uh <laughs> even after talking about it for weeks and months um and i say that because at first I was like, oh my God, like what's the right answer? But now I just kind of embraced the lack of an eloquent response to this. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny because I think BJ's is a culmination of several different emotions and ideas and images. You know, the visual component really kind of starts from um, my wife and I at the time who was my girlfriend, Caitlin. We were just kind of rolling this massive suitcase in the city and it was a pain and it was freezing and I was angry and I'm like what what, what are we doing but then it was kind of funny at the same time because we're trying to like carry this 50 pound bag up you know if you go to Chicago they have elevated train stations mm -hmm. and um you have to climb these like steep stairs with it sometimes and it's just ridiculous um you know but on a more emotional standpoint I think you know I was in LA for like five six years um and I was just really homesick, um, you know, being from the Midwest and being from Chicago. And I know Chicago is a, ma a major metropolitan city, but there's just a different vibe and um, attitude in Chicago and the Midwest compared to, you know, at, in LA. Right. Um, and I think just at the place that I was and this, and I kind of mentioned before, I was kind of reevaluating my own personal desires into this whole journey. And so I just really wanted to do something that I felt was pure. And I know I'm being a bit naivete when I say that, but uh, I just wanted to go back home and shoot a film that spoke to the city uh, in terms of like how I see it and my experiences in Chicago, but also that embodies it and kind of, you know, a character and a story that feels like the city, that feels like Chicago, that feels like the Midwest in a weird way. Um, and somehow using all these different ideas and visions and or images and emotions, it kind of concocted into 
uh, this story about a Korean American who just has a side has a hustle. I would it's not even a side hustle. It is a hustle. It's, yeah, it's just a hustle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I just you know, it's it's funny because BJ's is really not um I would say something that I um is particularly in my uh craft, you know, some of the things that I write and some of the other shorts that I, you know, that you might have seen there, it's a bit different compared to BJ's. Um, and so, you know, it really speaks to a moment for me of, you know, where I was at mentally and just trying to do something that was more, was, was fun, was a bit less tense and just kind of free going and free, free spirited. And, you know, I think that's what translated into the film. And ironically enough, that's the thing that gets into Sundance, of course, yeah. as it goes. So, but yeah. So when you mentioned that it kind of was some of your experience, there was there was one scene that kind of, it spoke to me in a way because I, I I related to the experience, but it's when he when he runs into the guys that are, uh, you know, kind of I, I take take it they're kind of like finance type guys mm -hmm. uh, that he knew from like high school, and they're kind of razzing him a little about about his hustle, right? But it's it, it, i felt like he kind of had that sense of embarrassment at first and then he's just like yeah that's that's what i do and then in a way he kind of hustles them <laughs> right right and and I, I feel like when i when i was first getting into this i would see i would run into people like the dmv or, or some just random place and they would see the things that i was doing you know just through social media because nobody wants to post the shit they're going through yeah be, you know before they took the picture <laughs> that they right, posted right. yeah and it's like yeah having to do you know like a part-time job that you're just embarrassed by or something to to get by and then somebody sees you at that part-time job and you're just like oh yeah this is this is what i do yeah uh yeah and it was all it was always that just kind of awkward feeling and i i was suddenly in bj's shoes in that moment and yeah. it was it was so it was so fun to kind of watch how that entire scene came together yeah so, i mean was that kind of how your inspiration came from it is kind of being in similar situations i think you know i think anyone who's pursuing um not just film or tv or art or you know a pursuit that they're really passionate about and it takes years of investment before you see any sort of success right um <laughs> uh, i think you're always kind of put in these like really difficult positions both in social um it, whether it's through friends or family and it's it, it's tricky to maneuver around it because you don't want to be that person that is trying to you know defend yourself to the point where it's just kind of embarrassing at least for yeah. me but at the same time like you're like you know like you feel the judgment you feel the kind you know you the condescending comments and the and the confusion and I think, I don't know, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say I've had too many of those interactions, um, but I think it was just more so, um, you know, I guess it came from a place of both an introspective and assessment of how other people treat other people, especially when they're going through tough career choices. Mm -hmm. Just that, I guess, I what I was getting a bit tired of, and this is also a criticism for myself, is I was tired of the judgment that came to people who were just doing something that was different or alternative. Yeah. And it didn't have to be a career choice. It could be, you know, the way they, you know, certain behaviors or the way they live life or the way they choose to be, or, you know, I guess, I think, I think judgment is so easy because it's so quick and it allows us to kind of be a bit ignorant about um, about other people and about other cultures. But at the same time, it also allows us to kind of stay in our own place. And that's always the most comforting. And I guess, you know, I just wanted to in that moment, and I don't know if it was, it's exactly done in this way, but, you know, I guess it just came from a place of reflection in the sense that like no one should be able to judge how somebody lives their life 
um, just because you don't agree or you don't see eye to eye with this, you know, with whether it's a career choice yeah, or, you know, and so I guess kind of that was kind of what my motivation was for there. And, um, and like you said, I kind of love that BJ turned it into his, you know, his hustle there. You know, I, right. I, I think that was something that was really important for me was to like, how can we use this in a way that add, there's another layer to this whole conversation instead of like BJ looking like the victim here. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I love as, as he kind of walk, starts walking away from it, the, this, mm-hmm. the, the subtle little smirk of the actor yeah. playing BJ. <clears throat> so, so often it was just the subtlety mm-hmm. of some of his movements that yeah. just it, it just made you love the character so much and everything that he was doing uh by ju- by just making you kind of smile with them like yeah you just, <laughs> i mean even, even from the first hustle with the um with the guy spilling the coffee yeah where the guy's just so grateful that oh you had you had everything i needed and he's like yeah, yeah so the shirt's this much and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just started laughing and i was like it's so great because yeah, that guy's not going to be like, "What are you talking about?" Like, right? He's a, he's in a panic. He's he's out of he's out of everything. Right, right. He has no choice. <laughs> yeah, no. It's it's it, it, first. You know, I I I have to credit so much to Johnny Boy Tella, uh, the actor who plays BJ, because he was just so great, and he you know he knew the character. I'm not gonna lie. I think. I think early on we kind of knew he was the character. <laughs> um, you know, when I started writing an early draft of it, it started to I started to just think of him because I know Johnny uh, from from a bit way back, and so and he's a videographer, he's a filmmaker, he's very, as you can tell, he's he's quite fearless. Um, and it, it, you know, there's not too much of a difference between BJ and him. And and when he read it, and when we talked about it, he was like, oh yeah, so this is. This is not going to be too hard for me. I'm like, yeah, that you know, <laughs> that um, was the thought. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, he did such a great job of you know those subtleties, those nuances are not the, are not easy, you know. And he, I think, yeah. he really he he just kind of understood the mentality of this character and and yeah, you know, I think it's um it, it's just funny um just how kind of it you know, he just really, it was a seamless transition for him to kind of get into that playlist, but, but yeah. Awesome. And, and, and the kind of the, the way that you wrap up the movie, in fact, I won't even go into that because I think it's a beautiful way that mm. you wrap up the movie that I kind of want to leave for people to see. Mm. Um, but I really, I really love the way that we see a more kind of human side to BJ at mm. the end where we see him going through the hustle so much. Um, right to at the end kind seeing more of his personal life and right you know what he's working for in a way mm-hmm. and i mean it, it's what really just made the whole film just wrap up so beautifully mm-hmm. and uh just made it made it a special film i mean out of and and i don't say this to like try and try and blow smoke up your ass or anything because you're because <laughs> you're in front of me but i mean i've i've watched i mean counting short films probably 30 films in the last week and uh, my retinas are shot at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all, all we're all like trying to get out of the the Sundance like yeah. mental mentality of just like <laughs> oh we can't just watching screens all day. Yeah, I mean my my wife was like, so you just have you just have a few more left to watch today, right? And I was like, yeah. And then Slam Dance starts <laughs> next week. Oh my god! <laughs> and so it's like I've got to jump right back into it. Yeah. But, out of all of them that I've watched so far, BJ's is one that just stands out amongst so many of them to me because, I mean, one, one thing that you see in so many film festivals, not just Sundance, Slamdance, South By, it, like so many of them, is they constantly have the theme of, you know, wanting to, you know, have some type of thriller or some type of murder mystery or they all, so many lump into that. And it's, I feel it's almost rare to find a film that is going to make you laugh is going to just kind of carry you along for a ride and then just kind of safely put you back down. Yeah. And I just kind of leave you like, that was fun. Like, and that's what BJ's did for me is it just kind of let mm-hmm. me be like, all right. And it was actually the first film I watched. 
Yeah, it was the first film in the first program. Yeah. So it was very nerve-wracking when Sundance started because <laughs> I got some text notifications of like, oh, we watched it already. I'm like, oh, I was not mentally prepared for this to be happening so soon. But, but, but yeah, yeah. It, it was a great way to start the festival. And now, you know, 30 plus films later, you know, it's still one that has, that has stuck with uh, me. And, you know, I look forward you. to people being able to see it in the future and i mean kind of where does it go from here i mean now that the sundance shorts program uh will kind of wrap up in the next couple days here yeah where are people going to be able to see it going forward um we're still kind of you know in the in the trenches of figuring out what is the life of bj's um you know we're you know, depending on if it's, you know, through the distribution route or if it's continuing on through festivals. So that conversation is still happening, but it'll definitely be available soon. Um, whether if it's going through hopping around different festivals um, or if it's going to be available online. Um, so we're, you know, we're still, you know, figuring that out. And so, but I will say it, it seems like sooner than rather than later that people will have the access to see the film especially like in the, because considering like the next at least five six months all film festivals will still have some sort of virtual component to it so yeah. um so you know if you if if you haven't seen the film yet and you are uh wondering where you can you know i think the best place is to follow bj's mobile gift shop on instagram uh, this is not a plug i swear this is just being <laughs> informative and how if you wanted to see the film um, but yeah, you know, I think, and I, I, I you know, I kind of want to circle back on what you said about, you know, this, there's a bit of a, you know, fin I don't know about finality, if that's what you were saying, but there's a kind of like, it is a, it's a, it's a, there's a, it's kind of a whole film, you know, it's, yeah. it's, and I think it's, it was terrifying to do that, um, because short films, the mon the mantra of a short film is always get in late and early, you know, like that's, that's a lot of short films work and they, it works, you know, it, the reason why mm -hmm. people say it was, it works. Uh, but BJ's is a little bit different and it was terrifying to, to, to go into that because I know that's not, you know, short films, you have to be really efficient and you have to be very careful about what you include and what you don't. Um, and BJ's is, is not really a story, but a, a culmination of scenes and moments, um, you know that that all kind of work to the end i you know but at the same time there isn't this like clear plot or right. sense of story and so you know it was it was hard and it was really scary at the time to like you know especially in the writing process moving into production it was like well is this the right choice because we don't you know this is not normal for a short film that ones mm -hmm. that usually work um so we you know i don't yeah, I don't know who to thank in terms of it turning out, um, but it, it luckily it, it, it turned out okay. Um, and so, but yeah, short films are just, are just really fucking hard. You know, yeah. they're not easy by any stretch of the imagination. And it's, it's what makes it the most excruciating process, but at the same time, one of the more rewarding ones because you can do almost anything, you know, there isn't this, structure or format that you have to go by and that's true for features too but specifically with shorts it's just such a it's such an uncontrollable format and that's why it's exciting like yeah you know, it's hard it's really hard but it's exciting yeah and to people wanting to make a good short i would tell people and i'm sure you could reiterate this watch a lot of short films because even though like we were saying earlier there's no blueprint to any of this Right. There is kind of there is kind of a way that a lot of shorts go, and while you guys did kind of stray from what they do, mm -hmm. it, it still, like I said, it laid you down nicely. Where it wasn't necessarily the end, but it was the right. end of that part of the story. Right. Right. And it's like, yeah, I could see this go on so much longer. I could, I could, I could see the story yeah. continue on, but where it ended was just like, I like that. Like. Like that was that was what was so nice about it was that it was just mm. kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, 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 I know what you mean, yeah, yeah. Too too often I'm like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Like that that's how that's how a lot of shorts will end with me where I'm just like, I was following that and then it was over, 
Right. And so it's yeah, there is that kind of catch twenty two of where do you Right, where do you end? Right? Where do you where end? Do you, where do you leave your audience? Um, you know, and I think oftentimes shorts you know, you want to put your audience at the edge of your seat. You know, you have them exactly right when they're leaning into it. You kind of cut them off. And I think it's effective because, you know, it makes the audience, the mm -hmm. viewer, want to stay in that world more. Um, but yeah, BJ's is a bit different in that it kind of ends that chapter of the story. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's um, not, I don't know if it's a right or wrong way. There's, you know, there's, I don't think there's any such thing because every film is kind of its own living organism. So, but I think for Beaches, it was kind of the right way to to kind of leave the audience for the film. Yeah, and, and I, I've had I've had a few people say it to me before whenever I'm going through that dilemma: was it the right way or the wrong way? Is this going to be funny? Are people going to like it? Is I always have I've had so many people say, "Are you happy with it? Do you like right. it?" Right. And I'm like, "Oh well, yeah." And like, then that's all that's that all matters. You can do. As long as, long yeah. as you're happy with it, you did your job. Like that is. No. That's you cannot you cater. <laughs> you cannot cater your work to what you predict other people will think. Yeah, that is how you get fucked, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and just in a terrible place. If you yeah. chase that, your that chase will never end. No, it, you you will just be chasing your tail. And like there, there's a yeah. project that I have in post production right now that myself and a few others shot right at the beginning of kind of lockdown and quarantine mm. that is so different from anything we've ever done. Mm -hmm. And it was something that we all had to shoot individually mm. and piece together. So mm. it's like we were shooting and emailing wow. and uploading. Yeah. And there's, so there's also no dialogue back and forth. Wow. It's all like everything's in a voiceover setting. <laughs> yeah. And it was so much of like, is this funny? Is this going to cut together? Is and luckily, like I'm hearing now, like no, it's cutting together. It's working. And I just keep going. Is it really? Are you sure? <laughs> it's there is that nerve wracking punch of like you never know if it's going to work, but no, you just yeah, have to I make did. what you make. And yeah, and I think <laughs> I think films and short films, but I think this is true for anything you make. It's it captures a fragment in time that you were in, and so. Yeah you know 10 15 20 years down the road and if i'm still luckily making films and making movies and i go back to watch bj's i may not like it but at least right now this embodied what i was going through at the time right and i think and i think that's really important for filmmakers and for even viewers to understand is that you know this is this is a it's almost a time capsule of like this is what the filmmaker was dealing with or going through or interested or exploring at that moment. And, you know, it's some films can have an incredible, you know, shelf life and it's timeless. And some films kind of just stay within that that time frame, you know. Yeah. So I think it's important for filmmakers to to embrace that and to know that it's like, you know, this is who I was or this is who I am right now. And that's what I can that's what I can do. Yeah, it's just a rung on the ladder and you can't look back down. You just gotta keep right. keep going. Right. So well, Jason, exactly. it's been an absolute delight talking to you. So I, I was I was excited to be able to sit down after watching BJ's and, and learn uh, more about you as a filmmaker. And yeah, it's, it's been great chatting with you. And hope, hopefully, you know, we continue to see more from you. Yeah. No. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you for inviting me. Um, and I really appreciate uh, the kind words you have for BJ's and uh, watching the films and watching all the films, all the short films, especially. Um, at Sundance and um yeah thank you so much for being a supporter of that and definitely talk soon again yeah absolutely and where can everybody find you on a, on Instagram or Twitter if they want to kind of follow you or I know you mentioned BJ's has a has an Instagram yeah BJ's mobile gift shop at it is the Instagram um account uh my Instagram is at Jason H Park 07 I always forget what my handle <laughs> <laughs> is and then um twitter is jason park 07 but i will i will i will warn people with twitter i'm a bit aggressive there in terms of politics and some other stuff so if you want to stray away <laughs> from that and my very angry opinions and feelings about certain things yeah that might not be the best place for people to go <laughs> my my wife caitlin just just when i'm like when i'm like angrily like on my phone she knows like oh you're on twitter i'm like no 
Uh, but I am. I'm a, when I'm just kind of going at it on my phone, it's Twitter. So it's not healthy, but. Yeah, I've, I've always said Twitter or emails, they all need to have some type of radar. If you're typing so fast, it makes it that you can't send that tweet or email for at least a half an hour. Oh, so you that'd can think be about genius. It. Yeah, when it can sense like how heavy and how quick and just like, it's like it should pop up a warn like, hey, maybe you should slow down and maybe take a breather for like a five, 10 minutes, go for a walk, you know, go get something to drink or eat, you know, just chill out. You have written this in all caps. What are you doing? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, do you really want to do this? <laughs> it's a brilliant idea, Tim. It needs to happen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Yeah, no, this was fun. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks, all right. Have Tim. a good rest of your day, man. Stay safe. You too. You as well. We'll Bye. see you.